Got a question for you. What is the greatest gift you have ever received? Now, I'll go ahead and tell you the church answer, which is the right answer, what we're going to be talking about. The greatest gift we have received is Jesus Christ. But I want you to think, if you would, maybe when you were a child or maybe when you were older, at some point, can you think of a gift or gifts that stand out? Because if you're like me, you're able to think of gifts that you have received that has filled your, your, your life with surprise and joy when you saw it. Uh, as a child, maybe it was a bicycle. Maybe it was a doll or a pet or a toy. Or, or I remember some of you were raised in an age where you were lucky if you got a piece of fruit. Or maybe a piece of silverware because things have not always been good. There were days where many of you remember when there was not much of anything at all. But I am sure that everyone can think of something. And of course, we are here to celebrate our greatest gift today, which is Jesus Christ, our Savior. That is a gift that brings joy to a world that needs it. Our world needs the gift of a Savior. So as we look at Luke 2 today, this is one of my favorite passages to read during the Advent in the Christmas season. And I learned from my father-in-law that he had a tradition of every Christmas morning, he and his wife would get up and they would read the Christmas story from Luke. So at some point, I remember that. And so for several years now, when Donna and I wake up in the morning, on Christmas morning, we... we um, Get conscious, <laughs> and uh, and we uh, we realize what day it is, and uh, Donna will start her cup of coffee, and and I will start my regiment of uh, caffeinated drinks or whatever it might be, and so we wake up just a little bit because we want to give the Lord our best, Amen. And so uh, we we uh, get there in the, in the living room in our pajamas, and it's Christmas morning, and uh, the, the dog is out, and he's having a good old time sniffing the. The, the the presence and seeing what's going on. But we start our tradition after we wake up with reading Luke chapter 2 and the passage that we're studying today. Because for me, my friend, I'll tell you what, that, that sets the stage for why we celebrate Christmas. I, I'm okay with everything else. But the main stage, the center stage, just like this pulpit, the main attraction is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, not only did Jesus, when he was born, have the frailty of his human body, he had all of the, of the divine nature of the heavenly realms watching over him. So, as we look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, I just want to kind of at a glance you through those things that we see that God was using Caesar, who was an unbelieving government leader. Folks, I got news for you. Whether our leaders are Christians or non-Christians, evil or great, they are pawns in the hands of God. My friend, God is still in control. And he issued a census to be taken, which this is the whole reason that prompted Joseph and Mary to travel back to Joseph's home of Bethlehem. And so uh, God promised the Savior through prophecy would be many things. There's, a, there's hundreds of prophecies that are foretold thousands of years before Jesus came that, that 
prove that he is who he is. And here's just a few of them. One of them, it's, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be human, not an angel. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be Jewish and not a Gentile. It was prophesied that they, the Messiah would be from Judah and that it would be from the family of David and that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. So the, the statistics of pulling one of those things off would be amazing. But the thought that hundreds of prophecies that were told beforehand came to, to fruition through the birth of this child is absolutely amazing. Never lose the awe of the fact that Mary was a virgin and gave birth to a son. Biologically, in the real world, it doesn't happen unless God intervenes. But is it not amazing to think how the Savior of the world came into this world to save this world? That means you and I from ourselves and the sin that ravages us so deeply. Why would he not come as a king? Or why would he not come with the pomp and circumstance that is due him? Like, I mean, are y'all ready for the royal wedding coming up? Have you heard about that? Oh man, that's going to be all that there's going to be on TV. And I'm, hey, I'm happy that they're going to get married. But folks, the coming of our Savior is so much bigger than any wedding. Well, we see here that the first thing that we find in our passage, verses 8 through 12, is that the birth announcement of a Savior is given to, of all people, shepherds. Yes, Shepherds. Let's read verses 8 through 12. It says, That night, what night is this? It is the night that Jesus is being born. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And I love this word. It happens so much in scriptures. This is my favorite word. Suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel restored or reassured them and says, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Great news, which is another way of saying the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. I am bringing you great news that will give you joy. Today we lit the blue candle of joy. Well, not the blue candle, but the pink candle of joy. i got to get my colors right. We lit the pink candle of joy to signify the joy that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see, again, that night Jesus was born, God issues an invitation. Folks, when God is working in one place, he's always working in another. Check it out. Look at it this way. You think that God might have forgot you. You may think that whatever you're going through is bigger than you can imagine. But my friend, I can imagine that Mary and Joseph giving birth to a child in probably a cave in the darkest and nastiest of conditions. That little girl was scared. Joseph 
was scared, but they pushed on and they didn't know anything to do but just go with it. And little did they know that God was preparing the shepherds nearby. My friend, you might be in the middle of something big with God, but I assure you that he is working in some other place preparing to intervene for you. God does not leave you out to dry. And that is what we can get from this passage. Do not give up on that prayer request. Do not give up on that family member. Do not give up on that friend or that co-worker or that situation because even though you may not see God working, I promise you that He is working nearby. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, not what we want, but for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Shepherds staying nearby means that God had positioned them to hear his message. And the shepherds day to day was interrupted with the joy of God's message. Folks, shepherds were doing what shepherds do. They were shepherding. Shepherds were not seen as the most dignified uh, workers around. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. That matter of fact, did you know that shepherds were considered outcasts in Israel? For two reasons. Number one, because of their profession. If you've ever lived on a farm or had animals on a farm, you know the animals they eat, but they also have to get rid of what they eat. So, so these shepherds are around all of this nasty stuff all day. They come home and they smell like sheep. And so when they smell like sheep, they are unclean and they are unable to come worship. So they could be gone at weeks in a time. So not only are they ceremonially unclean, they are missing a lot of the worship because of their position. So the thought that that God would introduce his son to a group of shepherds is amazing. And for some reason in that culture, shepherds, if they ever had to go to court, They had no right to give testimony. So God chose the lowliest of the low to announce the coming of his son. Many believe that the sheep they were shepherding could have actually been used for the sacrificial worship services that they were having in the temple. But here's the thing. As we look at the shepherds this morning, here's what you and I can glean from this. That by God giving the message of our greatest gift to the lowly shepherds, he demonstrated his grace towards all of mankind. He didn't put Jesus up on a high and lofty place that we would have to reach up to and measure up to. He brought Jesus to the lowest of the low to show that he will go wherever he has to do to extend his grace to you, my friend. God is not a secret that someone has to reach up for. He came to us. God gave his message to the shepherds. He knew, one, that they would appreciate it, and number two, that they would be obedient. Isn't it fitting that the news about God's shepherd, which is also called in the Bible, the good shepherd and the sacrificial lamb was first announced to shepherds. And then we see how they received him. It says they were in awe. They were in awe. What, is it, what does it say here? It says they were afraid. 
He said, I bring you good news to all the people and the Savior. Yes, the Savior, Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Folks, how do we receive God's message? Number one, I pray that we do it like the shepherds. We receive God's message in all. And that we should not be afraid. Not being afraid, or or as some translations say, fear not, for the Lord is with you, is a constant theme within this Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, it says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son. This was the birth of John the Baptist. It says in Luke 1, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. In Luke 1, it says, we can serve God without fear. And in Matthew 1.20, do not be afraid, Joseph, take Mary as your wife, and she, as she has conceived from the Holy Spirit. Folks, we do not have to be afraid because God is behind us, with us, and for us. Look, I know it's warm in here, and I know that your stomach is kind of rumbling ready to eat, but don't miss the blessing that is right in front of you. And it is this, as we celebrate Advent, you do not have to be afraid to spread the gospel message. The greatest thing that keeps the crowd small in the church, the greatest things that keep you from experiencing the full Christian life is fear of sharing the message that God has given you, the gospel message, but yet Time after time after time, God says, do not be afraid. So if that's the case, we're just being disobedient. Do not be afraid. We have protection. And also we see in this, we see in verses 13 and 14 that heaven rejoices. At the birth of the Messiah. And also peace on earth. Let's read verses 13 and 14 of chapter 2. Verse 13 says, there's that word again. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, can you imagine that? Number one, they see an angel, but all of a sudden, whoosh. The sky opens up and there are armies of angels at this event. Armies of angels. And then we see that it says in verse 14 that glory, the angel, the message is glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. At the, at the time the angels were singing this, the world was in a a moment of, of somewhat of peace. It was during the Pax Romana, which, which means the Roman peace, for about 27 years before Christ had come. Just like today. I mean, we don't have world war, but at the same time, I wouldn't consider our world at peace. And actually, the days are getting darker. Then life was difficult. Taxes were high. Government had lost sight of those it protected. Morality was failing. Any of this sound familiar? But we see the joy is found in giving glory to God. The angels of the armies saying glory to God. For Old Testament writings and for Old Testament believers, the glory of God was to symbolize God's presence with them, especially when the temple and the Holy of Holies. If it says 
glory of God or glory to God, they meant that the presence of God was within them. But now because of the advent, now because of Jesus Christ, God's glory will be residing in the life of his believers. God is here in the life of his believers. The Holy Spirit is here because, my friend, you are here. And if you are a believer, God is inside of you. And when we all get together, we can't help but give glory to God because what's in us has got to come out. Folks, there are no undercover operatives when it comes to Christianity. There is no secret evangelist. We have a story. We are to share it. And then we see that the message of Advent is to go and tell. The message of Advent is to go and tell. Verses 15 through 20, where it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and that the angel said what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story, they were astonished. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Then verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. My friend, the message of God is not a lie. There are people that are trying to prove it wrong. There are people trying to say that the advent didn't happen. There are people trying to say that the virgin birth didn't occur. There are people trying to to refute this. They have been for centuries and they will continue. But this is proof that take the shepherd's testimony. Angels do not lie. God does not lie. There is a heaven. There is a hell. We are sinners falling short of God's Glorious standard, but by His grace, by His Son coming to our earth, living as us, giving us an example, living without sin, and sacrificing Himself as the once and for all sacrificial Lamb, we can know that we can have eternity. We can know that we can have a relationship with God because of what Christ has done for us. This is not some preacher windbag telling you what you ought to hear. This is Scripture. This is God's promise. And it's being backed up by every minute that ticks off in our world today. This is not a ruse. This is not something invented by some man a long time ago. Men and women have given their lives so that we can be here today celebrating Advent today. It is a special message and God does not lie. And so as we read verses 15 through 20, the message of Advent is to twofold. Go and tell. When I say go, notice that it says in the text, the shepherds went immediately to see the Son of God. They did not discount their experience. They did not talk about all the hurdles that they would have to overcome. They didn't talk about all of the the rough terrain they might have to uh, to uh, trans transfer or not transfer but 
to uh, go across. And then uh, they all they did is follow the instructions of the angels and they went to see. Folks, you will only find the joy of Advent by going to the center of the gospel message. If you want to find joy in Advent today, it begins with Christ. It begins with God's glorious message. God, our creator, sending his son to save us from our sins. Folks, too many people get lost in the translating of the message of Christmas and not enough time going to the one the message is about. That is Jesus Christ. So the angels told the shepherds to go. So they went. Pretty self-explanatory. Now to tell that it says in verses 17 to 20, the shepherds told everyone everything that happened. The shepherds went back to the flock praising God. Here's the thing. The shepherds left. The shepherds heard the message. The, the shepherds experienced the message and they went back. Same sheep, same flock, same circumstances. The only thing that had changed were those shepherds. They were changed. They went back and they told people what had happened. They went and they told. When is the last time you've told anybody about anything that God has done in your life? We're all about the going. I'll go to church. But I'll keep all my worship right within these walls. And that's what the world wants us to do. But the message of Advent is to go and tell. That's what we learn from the shepherds. And here's the gut honest truth. If you're not telling other people about Jesus, you are not experiencing the true joy of Advent. Because the joy is not only in the experiencing of the message, but it is in the telling of the message. They received God's message specifically towards them, and they responded to God's message immediately with obedience. They took the message of the angels back to their jobs, their families, their friends, and they told them about this Messiah that they had witnessed. Folks, the joy of our greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ, is found in our obeying his word and sharing his story. So my prayer for you today is that you find your joy in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You find your joy and then you go and you tell others about it. Because today we celebrate the birth of our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord, and our King, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we celebrate, Lord, the message of your son and the shepherds give us a great example of what we need to do. We need to to experience your message, Lord, the message that we are sinners in need of a savior and that we accept you as our savior and Lord. And we go and tell others about that message. So, dear Heavenly Father, it is my prayer that, Lord, if there's anyone here that wants to receive you as savior and Lord today, as the Lord of their lives, that they want to Partake of that message and be obedient to your call. 
the Lord, they would accept you as their Savior and Lord. The Lord, they would come down front. I'll pray with them. And that, dear Heavenly Father, you will be glorified through that. Maybe someone wants to join this church or come to the altar, whatever it may be. Lord, this invitation time is for you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?